0: Well, good morning everyone and welcome to another Mornings with Marik. and today of course is about finding and attracting talent So glad to have you all here. Hope you're having a great summer hasn't been too hot in texas. So that's great Um, just a reminder that we do have a facebook page um, that's available. So if you all want to join us, please get on that We probably need to get a little bit more interactive than we have in the past but um, we do have a spot that you can follow things and and pay attention to the different conversations And we're still looking for new ideas for the next session, so I haven't quite defined that yet. So, if you want to pop some ideas in, we'd love to hear it. So, today we have um, Ben Patterson. I know, Ben, you love having pictures of yourself popped all over the place, so um, thank you for um, joining us today. Ben's in Dallas. We're going to learn a lot about Ben today, and I know we've got a lot of your colleagues um, have joined across the state, so happy to have you. Ben, before we get into this, I just I have a little tiny surprise for you, and that is this picture, and I don't know if you remember <laughs> what that is. Remember that? Yes, absolutely, I remember that. So this is Ben's daughter. This was probably within 30 days of my joining IIAT, and it would be six and a half years ago, Ben when this picture was taken and we did it just to be your daughter. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on that day at the Capitol?
1: Absolutely. So the reason she was in the Capitol that day is is she was she had the opportunity to serve as a legislative page for the state rep that's here in the Richardson area that uh, I've gotten to know over the years and and actually work closely with um, on economic issues and so forth that affect Richardson. But uh, the reason she was invited to be a legislative page is because she went and knocked doors with me on a Saturday morning whenever she was facing a a, uh, a re-election opponent. And so she was so appreciative of, at the time, I guess she was probably 12 or 13, of having a 12 or 13-year-old go knock doors that she invited her to come down to Austin and serve as a legislative page. And so that was just, that was a fun that was a fun uh, day for her and for me. Proud day for me, and uh, to fill some of the time before she was supposed to show up at the Capitol, we decided to stop in and see our friends at the at the State Association, right? And so that's when she was sitting in your chair in your office, Mark.
0: Yeah, I thought you'd like that picture, and I didn't want to show it to you in advance, but I wanted to see your happy face when you got a nice little room out of memory.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Special memory.
0: Yes, all right, well, um, let's see, Matt, I'm just going to check that you can see us properly because I think I got rid of the pictures. Is that working okay for camera? Yep, yep, we see both of y'all. Okay, great. So, Ben, thanks for joining us. Um, Can you give us a little bit of background on your agency and and how big it is and where you are in Dallas Um, and kind of just a a quick recap for us so we can get some context?
1: Sure. Sure. agency was started by my father in 1983 and I joined in August of 1996 so my 25 year work anniversary here is next week as a matter of fact I was the fifth employee that joined the firm and since that time as an agency we do more on a monthly revenue basis than what we were doing on an annual basis back in 1996 and so. When I joined the agency, I was just a young kid out of college that just wanted to dedicate myself to becoming a professional and um, chose to pursue insurance first uh, and see if it would be a fit. Look back 25 years later, say it's a fit and uh, is one that's been a rewarding career for me. I took over running the agency during the Great Recession in 2008, and so that was like being thrown in the deep end and then i took over as uh, at the title of being president in 2012 and then began buying out partners and uh, so anyway here we are 2021 i was the fifth employee to join in 96. i look at the roster now we have 41 employees we're located in richardson texas which is the first town north on 75 once you come out of dallas um And we've been here, been in Richardson. Our roots are very deep now, but uh, been in Richardson for for all 38 years. And we're considered to be one of the prominent businesses, well-established businesses in Richardson. We have a lot of national uh, companies that are officed here. A lot of insurance too, which is super cool. Um, The building that we're in, we have three insurance companies that uh, office here. And so we get to see some familiar faces uh, going up the elevator and down the elevator, which is fun as well. But, um uh, you know, the city people uh, closely connected with uh, state reps here in Richardson. Um, and so just have a, just a really good rich history uh, as a, as a prominent business now in uh, Richardson.
0: Very right. good. So we talk a little bit, obviously we're going to focus on Producers, but we're also going to talk about other organizations or other um, types of employees as well. Can you give us a little bit of a mix of what you look like from a standpoint of commercial line, first line, how many producers you have? Um, I know you have forty one altogether. But can you talk a little bit about that composition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have we have uh, thirteen producers, um, and internally uh, we don't utilize producer as the job title. Our, our sales force is risk advisors. And then we have um, 10 or 11, I I'd have to go back and double check, maybe maybe 12 that are on the commercial line side as far as the, the service side. Account managers, assistant account managers. We have five personal lines account managers. And then we have two accounting uh, an operations manager, uh, we have a claims manager, claims liaison uh, that manages and, and assists with, with all claims for our clients. Um, Revenue-wise, majority is commercial PNC, and so majority, I'd say, are, are commercial commercial employees, commercial-focused employees, um, and then the we do have two on the benefits side as well.
0: Okay, good. Um, I like that you don't use the word producer. Actually, I was talking to somebody this last week who's on the call I can see today, and he was trying to hire for a producer and made the mistake of putting that as the title in LinkedIn. And so he's got a whole bunch of camera crew people looking for jobs. (laughs) So getting the title right when you're out there looking for talent is critical just so that you attract the right people and not use those terms that tend to be very industry specific and jargon that we're familiar with. So let's talk a little bit about, um, from your standpoint, you know, where do you tend to find talent? Where do you spend your time networking? Um, How is it that you seem to attract great people? And I wanna talk also about sort of your culture and your sales culture that you have that sort of attracts people in and of itself.
1: Okay. So some of the areas that, uh have been successful for for us is uh i'm i'm still involved with my university and we stay very involved with other universities my university my alma mater uh, doesn't have an insurance program but the other universities here locally that that uh, we stay connected with uh, they do have risk management degrees risk management programs and so we hire and have hired students out of those programs, some successful, some, some not. I am proud to say that one of the graduates from, risk, from uh, University of North Texas, uh, their risk management program, I was honored to be able to present him with the um, risk management graduate uh, of the year, several years ago where they honored him as, as, as an example of success uh once they graduated and uh so that that was very rewarding for me so we uh we recruit and hire out of those programs uh we also uh, award or reward for uh, referrals of people that our staff know uh, that would be good candidates for us to consider whether it's for a risk advisor role or for an account manager role Um, At times, uh, we'll also utilize um, placement professionals. Um, And so um, all of those things uh, go into consideration. Um, Just staying connected with people with universities and those professors, whether it's the, the kids that are graduating or it's someone that they've known for a while that's looking for a fresh start and a new career, we get opportunities there as well. And so, uh, just the continued network um, that uh, that is the, the higher education uh, has been an area that, that has succeeded for us. It, it has not been 100%, um, but I think that, in fact, I know Reagan and Marsh would say that that's impossible and it's not expected. And so we've we have trended similar to how other other independent agencies have have fared uh, as far as the success rate on risk advisor hires and and development uh, that goes into it. And so but that that um, really is is the big part of what we do. We also have found that uh, the internship program that we have, Uh, has been a a good way of uh, finding motivated talent and when we find motivated talent we try to hold on to them (laughs) and so um, we do and as as a uh, community goodwill uh, standpoint we have had an internship program for high schoolers in the past Um, but that was more of just helping someone have a summer job. And what we have discovered is finding the kids that are in college that are looking at insurance as a potential career have have been where we've been able to uh, place some some, uh, very highly motivated uh, young professionals and bring them in and develop them. And that's been very rewarding for us uh, to see those people really flourish and pursue their goals and dreams. Of what they wanted to achieve and th- what they had identified for themselves as goals whenever they were in in college
0: yeah yeah internships are interesting because they're a lot of work <laughs> and if they're not planned out well it, it can really be a, a miss for people it can be become not a good experience for the candidate and it doesn't become something that becomes a career long term so i think internships are really A careful thing I always say to people who are interested in internships is you've got to put more work into it than you ever thought on both sides. The candidate who's coming in, you've got to be a go-getter because otherwise you could get stuck at a desk doing nothing (laughs) because you get forgotten along the way. And so you kind of have to insert yourself into that. Do, do you all do any assessments when you're hiring that helps you figure out whether people are in a good seat? And, and I'd be curious to hear what those are. We can talk about some that other people use as well.
1: We used to use Caliper, and uh, we stepped away from using that as our as our test and, and now use Zero Risk, uh, which is okay. an ERMI, um, ERMI assessment. We do it on everyone. And... Um, it's not the sole uh, basis for hiring someone or, or uh, choosing to to move on and pass on a candidate, but it does bring an objectivity to an otherwise very subjective process. And so it's something that we do use. Um, interestingly enough, um, I don't know what my scenario was, but whenever I did the when I did the uh, the zero risk. The uh, the results came back as, as high risk, and so we 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 don't necessarily lean 100% on it, but we certainly take it as a a good caliper as far as just if we have a qualified candidate from a personality standpoint uh, for the the uh, particular job
0: role that we're looking to place. Yeah, good. Um, as you know, we use Colby for all of our hiring. K O L B E. Um, we also use Clifton Strengths Finders, which a lot of people use because that hits. My job. Some people that are on the call I know use DISC as well. That's a popular one. that's out there. I've heard of Zero Risk. I don't know that I've taken that before, but there's some good, good tools out there, and so I highly recommend for folks when you are hiring. First of all, understand what you're looking for, but then assess against it and trust your process. Because um, it really can be I mean, the number of times when people make a mistake and say, you know, now that it didn't work out, I go back and look at the report. That's what it told me. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, attention to those cues, to your point, they may not be 100 percent right, but you will get some good indications in there whether or not it's a good fit from a standpoint Wait. of. of, of.
1: Um, I will also that also gives opportunities for coaching some of those areas of weakness. And that, that really is a big point of mine, just things that I've observed over the, the years of my career. You know, one of the, the things when I was in college of, of learning how to interview, always be prepared for the interview and always be at, be prepared for the question. Give me three strengths and three weaknesses. And so that is a question I always ask when I interview. And honestly, I could care less about your strengths, what I really want to know or what are your three weaknesses. And more importantly, how do you overcome those weaknesses, identify what your weaknesses are, and then how do you overcome them. And um, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the assessment test is it helps identify where you can help coach on what those areas may be that uh, would be either known or unknown by the candidate uh, whenever they enter the role. Help them, hopefully help them uh, have quicker success, long-term success uh, working for us.
0: Yeah, and I also think it's helpful because, especially to your point about success rates of bringing people in and making the job work, the more you can be accurate about what people should expect and where it may actually burn them out, stress them out. What can you do to make sure that you've covered that in the expectations? So, so another thing I'll just comment on if you're in the data area. I know that the Dallas association, the local association has a recruiting uh, group that I think quite a few people use as well. And of course, now with people hiring remotely, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be in your community that you're hiring for. You're just looking for good, great talent. Um, and of course we have a relationship with Quest Pro, so they've done a nice job for, for us as well. And then of course, as a member of um IIAT, you can also access Big Eye Hires, which is part of the National Association. So when people are looking for different tools and resources out there, those are some ones that I would also reference as far as relationships and being very active, you know, on LinkedIn. So I, I would be curious, Ben, you know, your organization touts itself. You've got, gotten some great awards and recognitions for being a best place to work in your area. Um, telling your story I'm sure is critical in that being able to attract talent because it's not just about a paycheck, it's about an experience. So can you talk a little bit about how what your culture looks like and how you have that conversation with candidates when you're really trying to figure out if they're going to be a good fit for you long term? Sure,
1: absolutely. Well, you know, if you go back and you look at what millennials look for, we really um, built a... Um, a symbol that identifies our culture that then would appeal to a millennial. So our culture is defined by impact, um, which uh, is is defined. Uh, impact being mentorship, professionalism, attitude, community, uh, teamwork, and so we go through that and, and explain that uh, because we know that the millennial mindset is they want to have mentorship they want to have an opportunity to develop themselves professionally they want to be a part of something more significant which it goes into community and so we, we spend time explaining that because not only is it something that's important to a millennial, but it's also important to somebody that is in Gen X. I want to be a part of something that's much more significant. And so community is very important. It's always been very important to me, in addition to the team that I'm surrounded with and, and how I present myself, uh, not only to my staff, but also to my clients and how others perceive me that, that may have just met me. Those things are important to all of us. And so it's not just a certain um, generation that sees that, but the millennials being a huge working force, as far as just the, the the number of, of people that are in that millennial generation, that's even split in half. There are two segments of millennial based on pretty much the year that they were born. Inside the millennial generation, uh, really made us kind of step back and, and say we really need to define who we are so we can appeal to the right um, the right person that will come in and really appreciate who we are as an organization and what what we look to accomplish. And not only have we uh, define that, but the community, the community part of that, um, that particular committee is run by all millennials, and they help us identify uh, things that we can do for um, the community as an organization, and then also what we can do for our staff in various uh, celebrations or events that we put on throughout the year as well. COVID has, not a, COVID has not helped us with that. And so we haven't been able to do as much from a community standpoint, but it still is very, very important uh, for us as an organization.
0: Yeah, and you make a good point because I think, you know, that's something that a lot of people have missed the last year, year and a half is that being able to be interactive, being with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always – worry sometimes when people say millennials don't want to have relationships and they just want to be technology and that's not the case Um, in a lot of places it's an impact they want to have and talk about how do you make the world a better place together can really make a big difference in who you're attracting the other day when we were visiting um, Ben you were also talking about not only are we attracting millennials but we also have so many generations working in the business with us can you talk about how that's helpful to you all and kind of the mentorship models that you use.
1: Absolutely. In fact, the the thing that makes it so compelling to me is when I joined the organization back in 96, there was a generation gap between me as a 21 year old recent college graduate who had been surrounded by similar age people for the, pretty much all of my life between going to school through high school and then who I was surrounded with in college to then get thrown into the business world and to come in as a 21 year old and everybody else is in their mid fifties. And I'll never forget coming into that, trying to get established in the insurance business and being associated with good people, but having nothing in common with them. Um, Mm -hmm. They were going home to their spouse, they were empty nesters and I was trying to figure out my way of just what I was trying to be as a professional, getting started in the business, in addition to establishing a new network of friends and who I wanted to spend time with outside of work. And so that was tough. That was really tough, because you know getting getting into the insurance business on its own is a tough thing. And then you also get thrown into where you really are uh, lonely from the standpoint that your coworkers, are in a completely different stage of life and so over the years as we've grown having a healthy mix of generations has been something that has been in the back of my mind Um, some of it's been more natural in certain positions just to as far as placement of age range versus others but the risk advisor roles we always look to, to bring in those that are are trying to establish themselves personally and at the same time establish themselves as a a known entity in the insurance world and so that could put them at a point where they're not married or maybe they're recently married um but just at a stage of life where they're trying to really define who they are uh in addition to the support staff um but we have people that are uh raising their kids we have people that are celebrating their kids graduating or becoming grandparents we also have those that uh are recent college grads that uh don't have a clue what life looks like even being married and so it's just a it's a good healthy mixture of just people in different phases of life where there are uh things that i know where people are are maintaining connections outside of work just because their life experiences are similar and they want to enjoy friendships that go beyond uh, who they're seeing from 830
0: to 5. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about those um, relationships as you bring people in and you're establishing mentoring because I do think mentoring is a great way of creating glue Um, relationships and learning. Can you talk a little bit about when you're recruiting, how you talk to people about your plan for their development, what kind of resources you're going to put towards them so they have a picture when they're coming in? Because there are a lot of agencies that bring people in and they kind of get popped in and they're going to have to figure it out for themselves. And so talking about that process with candidates can be really key knowing that you're going to have support structure um, when you get in there and learn the business because it doesn't happen overnight.
1: It doesn't happen overnight. It does not. And if you take a step back and think about it, when I say I want you to come to work for me and you accept my offer letter and you come and commit yourself and give your best working years working for me, in essence, what they're having to choose is, is this the place that's going to allow me to pursue my dreams and goals? And so I have that in the back of my mind of knowing that I need to have an organization that is a successful organization and is well-partnered in the industry, right? I mean, that, that goes without saying, but then identify ways. How do I allow this person to come in plug in and then enjoy success over a long-term period, right? And so mentorship is a key component of that. And it's also an expectation internally of if you come and work for this organization, the expectation is you will become a professional. Now we identify becoming a professional through education and through designations. And we are heavily partnered with the National Alliance Uh, a couple of years ago uh junior uh william hold junior came out with a uh, a great concept that allows you to pay a monthly fee and then you're able to access uh a number of of learning tracks uh to where based on what you want to achieve uh what you want to learn your job role um where you can go in and participate in these learning tracks and earn designations. The one that I'm really proud of is the intern that became uh, a full-time employee. Uh, He was able to earn his CIC through this particular program with the National Alliance uh, within a year. Now he's working on a CRM. To me, that defines helping someone achieve what their goals are with becoming a professional and enjoying success from a long-term perspective and becoming a significant um, contributor to the overall success of the organization as defined by mentorship and professionalism that's in our impact impact um, to where we've given them a platform of saying hey we want you to pursue all these things we want you to be an invaluable resource not only to our organization but to our client experience as well when they're talking to Patterson and associates about insurance, but it's you that's answering their questions and making them feel comfortable that they have the right coverages. So when they tender that claim, it's going to be covered. And so all of those things uh, go into just the, the resources and the things and the expectations that we have of when you come to work for us, these are the things that we expect you to do as well. Now it doesn't always play out that way across the board for all employees, But the ones that really rise and really make themselves um, impressive it gets our attention as far as for annual reviews and something that's referenced of just the pat on the back of great job. You're doing exactly what we're asking you to do. That really um, is a big part of it, of how you develop yourself as a a true professional in, in this industry. And then from a risk advisor standpoint, we tell them. That not only do we expect you to do those things, not only do we expect you to um, go out and solicit and write new business, but we also want you to develop your reputation in the business community at large, because over time, we want you to become a known person within the business community as well, most importantly, with Uh, Not only with other business leaders, but with our carriers as well, because when you do that and you're driving success as an individual inside the firm by doing all that, you also become a well-known person to those companies as well. Executives, managers, sales reps, underwriters, they all recognize that and they see where you are really starting to differentiate yourself as well to where you become a respected person. Uh, in the in the business world and in the industry as well which then should put you on a path of equity ownership in our office as well and that's one of the things that we have uh, identified is hey if you want an opportunity to be in an equity position in our organization that is one of the key things that we expect you to do is to be known in the community because a partner in our organization should never have an a carrier executive or underwriter say yeah I don't know that I know who that person is whenever I, I give the list of who the, who the other partners are in our organization.
0: Good, Good point actually it's interesting that you bring up um, a couple things there one about carriers I was just talking to an agency the other day that was frustrated with the fact that they were inviting their um, producers or their agents to carrier events. And their social events, but they they were blowing it off. And they said, we need to sit down and talk to them and explain to them it's about relationships. It's not about just we're going to go out to the ball field and have a good time. It's building a reputation, getting to know people, because we know that this is a relationship business. If you don't have it, you're never going to be able to negotiate through and influence what you have. Um, a couple of other things I did want to comment on. If you're looking for people who are in sort of interested in insurance, I would contact the National Alliance because they do have some high school programs out there now. So there's high school kids doing, I think, CISR, if I'm correct about that. And then, of course, with our National Association, we have schools out there that are in the INVEST program. And I know Tammy Land is is very involved in that, too. So there are other higher ed that are participating in insurance that would be a good way to hook in and try some of these mentorship programs out just curious just because we're talking about the business community I know some agencies are having quite a bit of success by finding people let's say somebody who was in the contractor business they were a contractor and have flipped them over to now being a risk advisor so to speak in the contractor space because they have the relationships they are known in that industry. They've got experience behind them. Um, have you done that or seen any of those success stories? Cause I've seen a few out there.
1: Not necessarily contractor, but uh, we have hired out of other industry segments and we are seeing success when they bring a um, sales background um, into insurance. And so they bring a very sophisticated sales process that they were taught and learned by a previous employer or employers uh, in other industry segments that they then bring to insurance. And it's just a matter of, of um, learning the insurance product to, to then go back and, and be able to present well, which you teach that, right? The, yeah. big, thing, the big thing you can't teach is how do you go and create the opportunities? You can only you can only get someone so far from a resource standpoint, but the rest of it falls on the individual as far as being able to make those opportunities really happen and develop those opportunities. And so um, that's one of the areas of success that we've had is hiring from other industries. And that comes through Uh, network and and people that we meet along the way. And that's also one of the things that's been difficult with COVID is we have lost that opportunity to have those face-to-face interactions where you can meet these people occasionally. Um, But nonetheless, um, the business world doesn't allow excuses, right? So you just find other ways. And so that's what we've done is we've just kind of called audibles over the last 18 months as far as finding areas where we can find these these uh, these people.
0: Yeah, good. I was happy to hear you mention the referral program because I think agencies that have that and use it well, um, you know, you're getting people who you have a strong team. And if they bring people like them who believe the same things and have the same values, it can really make a difference in the caliber of people that you bring in. So I was happy to hear you mention that. Kind of as we're getting near a wrap-up here, but I did want to ask you a quick question about what you're hearing right now as far as expectations um, from from employee candidates. Of course, the world, I think, has really shifted from what an employer is expecting from people to employees saying, well, I want remote work. I want these other alternatives. I want different types of benefits when I look at things. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing as far as that conversation and the recruiting side of things, what people are asking for that may look or feel a little bit different, and also to respond to that maintaining and retaining your own team members during the process of these changes um, over the last 18 months?
1: Probably the biggest one that, that we've seen is more remote work opportunity uh, we don't necessarily um, have a complete uh, work remote um, um, idea, I guess, but we certainly have gone to a hybrid where we have several employees that will work remote once or twice a week, and that allows them to, uh, I guess, meet the other demands of life head on and um, while they're able to also get their get their job done and actually do do more work more efficiently on those days where they're working remote as well. And so that's probably the biggest change that we've seen recently is the expectation to have more opportunities to work to work remote. Um, we've, we have had a flex work schedule for a long time and so that one isn't necessarily an expectation that I've seen a shift in. But You know, you got that work-life balance word out or phrase out there. And so you always want to, at least within reason as an employer, meet in the middle, if that's possible, where you're able to allow staff to enjoy a rewarding career and pursue the goals that they want, but also be available for the other demands that they have that are coming at them from from their personal life standpoint as well. Because I joke around about me personally. You know, here I am working, and as soon as I clock out, it's on to the next job, right? <laughs> and so it's getting home to my kids and getting them to where they need to be and cooking dinner for them or whatever list of demands that they have waiting on me whenever I I get home. And so I understand that. So you that that probably is the, the most significant shift that I've seen through COVID.
0: Yeah, good. Well, I, well, I appreciate all of your thoughts and ideas on this i hope it's helpful to folks uh if you go to our website we also have um a a site there that we talk about how to attract fruit so there's some steps in there that you can look at if you log in and uh ben it's been really great um meeting with you today and you sharing your ideas i think there's a lot of resources out there um being you know really on social media talking about your organization i think it's key that we talk about culture and you don't just jump right into the nitty-gritty job but really you know what what you're doing why you're doing it what's important to you as an organization and a culture is really key to hiring the type of people that will fit your culture better as well Um, before we get off i just want to comment that on october 3rd and 4th we will have our rise expo In San Marcos there's going to be a lot of key topics in there there'll be a trade show we're also going to ask uh, we're going to create a sort of a speed dating event called quick connect so people can actually look at um, experts out there and get some one-on-one time if you want to pick somebody's brain so hopefully we're gonna have Ben be part of that we've got to look at calendars still but we've got all sorts of experts signed up to help with that event as well so I hope folks will join us for that and next Thursday, we also have a roundtable session that you can register for. We'll send you a link. But the way that works is agents can register and then we do a Zoom breakout room so people can share their ideas. And just like Ben's been able to share his ideas today, you can get together with your peers across the state and share other ideas as well. So hopefully that's another way for everyone to connect. Ben, I very much appreciate your time today. I love that I got to give you a little picture of your daughter and a little flashback in time. Yeah,
1: that was special.
0: Good. All right. Well, everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time around. And if you need anything from the association, just let us know. Tons of resources. So we're happy to help. Have a great day. Thank you.